History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 407th episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I'm your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Hey, Kelly. The last episode dropped on my birthday, which happens to be today. Uh, yeah. And we're recording early because we're going to go away for my birthday this weekend. <laughs> so we it's are. like happy 50th to me. Happy 50th to you. And you are so dedicated. And this is a happy for the listeners, too, because we're going to be doing one of their favorite topics. They all love the Haunted Cemeteries episode. So on this one, we're doing Haunted Cemeteries number 20. Indeed we are. Can we believe that we're at that number? No. And what's funny is I always say this. I didn't think cemeteries were haunted. And then I keep finding them. And there you go. We've got five of them on this episode. Now, I don't know what it is about our listeners that they just love cemeteries so much, but I think they're like you and I. There's just this feeling of peacefulness when you're there. There's these old trees. They're telling stories. I don't know, when it comes to death, you think of a cemetery, and I heard this really great interview today. It just happened to fall on the day that we're recording this, and it goes really well hand in hand. There is a podcast out there called The Boo Crew. It's through Bloody Disgusting, and they do a lot of interviews with producers and writers and directors and stars of the horror genre. And today's episode that I listened to featured one of my now favorite directors, Mike Flanagan, and his wife, Kate Siegel, who shows up in all of his movies. Very cool. I started my love for this couple with Hush. This was a great movie. I don't usually get scared with horror movies, Kelly. <laughs> Jump scares just don't work on me. That's why I've never really cared for haunted house attractions, because it just doesn't get me. I know. I know. <laughs> but I tell you, this movie Hush did, because it was so amazing. Both of them wrote it, and... It basically, for those who haven't seen it, it features as the main character, a deaf woman. And imagine if you're deaf and you're being stalked by someone, you live out in the woods and they're playing with you at your house. You can't hear them when they come into the house. You can't hear them when you're outside. You know, the dark, that's all we've got. You can't see, so you use your ears to hear. Well, imagine if you don't have your ears and then it's dark so you can't see. And it's just an amazing movie. And it caused me to be very fearful because anytime you're in a situation where you're having kind of a home invasion type thing going on, that's something that can really happen. And then when you have this character, who the antagonist, basically, who is just playing with you like a cat with a mouse. Oh, yes. I'm going to play with you and then I'm going to kill you. That's terrifying. Absolutely. So as I'm listening to this interview with uh, Flanagan and his wife, they were talking about what I think is one of our favorite series now next to The Haunting of Hill House. And that is Midnight Mass. Yes, it was. <laughs> it drugged me so many different ways, but I really loved it at the end. 
And the reason why I'm bringing this up and we're talking about haunted cemeteries is because there's a lot of themes that are running through this series. As a matter of fact, Kelly, there's so much going on in it. We need to watch it over and over again, I think, to just absorb everything that's there. I agree. And I know from some of our listeners who we've talked to about it, same thing for them. They got so much out of this. You've got addiction and recovery, miscarriage or the loss of a child that you're dealing with. You also have spirituality and faith. You know, what do you believe in? And then the thing that comes to mind when it comes not only to haunted cemeteries, but our podcast in general, what happens to you after you die? Exactly. And for a portion of it, I I kind of got frustrated just in terms of my personal belief. But then at the end, they wrapped it up so well. I really checked in with everything. You and I and our listeners, people who are paranormal investigators, why we look into the dark and why we try to look past the veil is because we want to know what happens after we die. Absolutely. The thing that we know for sure is that we don't know. But we, <laughs> I could say... No, we do not. <laughs> I could say, as for a matter of fact, I have no doubt that we continue on in some way, some form, whatever that may be. I agree. And that is one of the things that Mike Flanagan said that he was exploring in this. It's a lot of very, this was a very personal series for him. It's very emotional. I love his horror because it's very cerebral. He said that one of the things that he was exploring in this is what happens in the afterlife. And he said, like you and I do, and even Kate jumped in on it too and said, we just, we don't know. She said it was very interesting to do the dialoguing and the monologues that they do in this because that they're talking about these different things. And a little bit of a spoiler, if you haven't seen it, and if you don't have Netflix, you must, absolutely. Netflix does not support this show, but we'll be an advertisement for them. <laughs> Get Netflix just to watch this. Please watch it. It will touch you in ways that you aren't even expecting. Yes. But it's basically a vampire story. Yes, it is. And that just blew my mind, too, because here you're exploring what happens to you after you die, but a vampire doesn't die. They're undead. They can't die. Yep. Coming from that angle of here's this thing that's undead, and then you're exploring what happens to you after you die, it just is a mind all kinds of stuff going on. I won't say the word that I would (laughs) normally say there because we have kids who listen. Yeah. Our our minds were effed a little bit. I thought that that was really fitting to talk about when we're getting ready to talk about haunted cemeteries, because when you're in a cemetery, that's what you're going to think about. What happens to you when you die? The headstones tell us what happened during your life, maybe a little bit. I love to say this every time we talk about a cemetery. I lived. This is the proof that I lived. Exactly. But before we get into that, we have some people to welcome into the Spooktacular crew. I hope I say this right. Raylena, Jenna, Manda, Kyle, Tina, and Kathleen. Thank you so much for joining us in our Facebook group. And now, this moment naughty. Hemlock water dropwort is a plant that grows wild across the island of Sardinia. Sardinia is a mythical place with over 800 graves that were reputedly built for giants, although many archaeologists just claim that they were for ceremonial purposes for regular human burials. When it came to death, the Sardinians conducted death rituals and they incorporate the hemlock water dropwort in those. The plant, which is related to carrots, is highly poisonous and causes intoxication followed by death. 
and that death leads to a creepy broad smile being frozen on the face. Probably similar to the grin of the Joker in Batman comics. It's believed that this served as inspiration for the Greek poet Homer's description of Odysseus's having a sardonic smile. Modern-day scientists hope to use the properties of the plant to do the opposite and actually relax muscles rather than contract them. A plant that leaves behind a grinning corpse certainly is odd. Grab your slippers, hot chocolate, flashlight, and maybe even that baseball bat. And now, this month in history. In the month of October, on the 18th in 1860... Peking's Summer Palace was destroyed. The Manchu emperors built the summer residence in the 18th century. The old Summer Palace was called Wanming Wan, which means Gardens of Perfect Brightness. This had been the pinnacle of Chinese imperial garden and palace design. In 1860, the Second Opium War was underway, and a small group of British troopers were sent to meet with Prince Yi under a flag of truce. This was to negotiate the Jing surrender. However, there was no surrender. The men were tortured and imprisoned, and 20 were killed. James Bruce, who was the British High Commissioner to China, ordered that the Summer Palace be destroyed. It took three days' worth of burning and 4,000 soldiers to destroy the palace, which they had looted of its precious artworks beforehand. The palace was rebuilt in the 1870s and destroyed again in 1900. The Chinese Communists rebuilt it in the 1950s. And to this day, you can see those treasures that were looted in museums all around the world. We like to think of cemeteries as open-air museums. They not only represent the culture and beliefs of an area, but they serve as historical record of who has lived in the region. For many people, the only record we have of their life is their headstone. They are so important and should be considered, even when making a choice to be cremated. Cemeteries are important as well because many still harbor the spirits of those who have left this plane of existence. On this Haunted Cemeteries episode, we are going to explore cemeteries in Missouri, Massachusetts, New York, Texas, and Montreal. Let's first examine the historical use of stone in American cemeteries. Slate was one of the earliest stones used, and they are seen throughout New England. The use of slate started in 1650 and continued through to 1900. These stones are gray and fairly thin as compared to other stone headstones, and they withstand the effects of acid rain. Brownstone, a type of sandstone, came into common use in 1650 also particularly in Connecticut, where brownstone quarries were located. This proved to be a bad choice because they weathered horribly. This was no longer used after 1890. 
Marble came into use in 1780, and the most prized variety was white with a satin finish. Limestone was also used at this time and is darker in color, appearing gray. They were both used through 1930 and are easily weathered. Granite started being used in 1860 and is still used today. This was a perfect choice for headstones because granite is one of the strongest materials on the planet. Granite comes in a variety of colors, but mostly gray. And you shouldn't take that for granted, Kelly. <laughs> but um. <laughs> All right. So our first cemetery here is going to be the Old Baptist Cemetery. Old Baptist Cemetery is located in Hannibal, Missouri at Section and Sumner Streets. The cemetery was officially platted in 1844, but burials were taking place here well before in the early 1830s. This is the oldest cemetery in Hannibal that still remains today. An old city cemetery was here before, but long ago was built over. They moved everybody, at least that is what they claim. But bones are still found where apartments were built over the former cemetery. The Old Baptist Cemetery was made famous by Mark Twain, who included it in some of his writings. Early pioneers of the area are buried here, along with Civil War soldiers. By 2002, the cemetery was in sorry shape, and an effort was made to revitalize and restore it. Frank Salter, who headed up the effort, said, Imagine a cemetery bigger than a football field with lots of stones, none of which are perfect. They're all tilted or broken or fallen over, and there are hundreds and hundreds of them. Our hope is to fix what we can on a slow basis and try to keep it in the forefront of people's thoughts. We want to preserve what's left of the cemetery before any more is lost to obscurity. Just raising historical consciousness is kind of the grand goal. Mark Twain's father had originally been buried here, but was moved to Mount Olivet Cemetery to be next to Twain's mother. Notable burials include mostly people related to more well-known people. There is Jenny Hatch, who was the wife of William M. Hatch, whose son, William Henry Hatch, became a well-known congressman. John and Emily Garth were the grandparents of John Garth, who built the Garth Woodside Mansion we mentioned in the Haunted Hannibal episode. Celia Stone was the first wife of Reverend Barton Stone, one of the founders of the Disciples of Christ Church. Colonel Stephen Lee built and operated a large distillery in Hannibal's early days. The head of Haunted Hannibal Ghost Tours, Lisa Marks, claims that many guests on the tour have encountered paranormal activity at the cemetery. She writes on her website, What is remarkable to me is when I hear dozens of people tell me what they see, and their stories all match. After so many people say that there's a five-year-old girl playing peekaboo in the northwest corner of the cemetery, you can't help but become a believer. There's also a man near the west fence line, very tall, dark, wearing a long overcoat. A Civil War soldier who is wearing his hat. A man named Edward in the northeast part of the cemetery who isn't hostile, but not particularly friendly either. He kind of wants to be left alone. I've lost count of how many people that have taken our tour. People who are sensitive to paranormal activity that have told me there are more than 20 spirits at Old Baptist Cemetery at any given time. Our next cemetery is Dean Hill Cemetery, which was suggested by Zach Frerichs. And hopefully we said that last name right. Dean Hill Revolutionary Cemetery is also known to locals as The Rev and is located at 304 Caswell Road in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. It was established in 1791. It's unknown whether it's soldiers or more sinister entities that haunt the place, but there are rumors of satanic practices and eerie feelings coming over its visitors. Some have heard loud screams at night. Local tales say a man was killed and burned along this road, and a teenage girl died nearby when her car hit a tree. 
No trespassing signs are posted in the woods around the property. The area is patrolled by police. Zach told us that people claim to see the apparitions of eyeless soldiers who are screaming and that there's a portal to hell here. I don't know that I'd like to come across any eyeless soldiers. No, it's a little disconcerting. (laughs) Any apparition without facial features is pretty creepy to me. This was posted on the internet in 2017. I lived on Dean Hill for a few years with an ex-boyfriend in school. We took many trips to the Rev, which was within walking distance, but the one that conjures up goosebumps for me is the last time. It was fall of 2004, and they'd been building on that road during the year, so there was a lot of activity in the cemetery and reports of kids goofing off. A small group of six of us decided that we would respectfully poke around to see if anything else had been moved or damaged. It was always very upsetting to us that people were so disrespectful of the cemetery. This was people's resting place for all eternity. We always did our best to be respectful. No cameras, no electronics, nothing with a magnetic field as not to disturb or agitate the dead. We even walked this time, candles in hand, as the last time we went, my car stalled completely and refused to turn on, and it was a brand new vehicle. Even though in daylight the next morning, absolutely nothing was wrong with it, and it started up no problem. That night was so quiet, no wind, no drums, no screams, no footsteps, just still silence. There was a tall, thin grave marker in the front of the cemetery, and her name was the same as mine, only spelled Rebecca, R-E-B-E-K-A-H. You could barely make it out. But she was young when she died, and she had children. We sat forming a horseshoe around her stone and slowly started talking to her. We asked that she say hello and that we meant no harm, but wanted her to make an appearance. (laughs) Now, of course, if you're trying to be respectful and not agitate the dead, maybe you shouldn't (laughs) ask him to show up. Right. We were pretty hopeful about this kind of connection. We'd all been part of many a seance in the years prior, some in that cemetery, and we took it seriously. As we held hands, you could feel the electricity moving between us, and after a few minutes, you could feel the wind pick up and the ground beneath us almost vibrating. And then it happened. The coldest, iciest pair of hands I've ever felt rested gently on my shoulders. Thinking it was one of our friends, I looked above me, expecting to see them laughing. Instead, I saw her. I froze in absolute terror, realizing she was touching me and I could feel her. She was pale white, almost gray, and completely see-through. When I think back, I remember that I could see tree branches showing behind her chest as I looked up at her. She was young. She must have been pretty when she was alive, her face half-covered in long, tangled ringlets of hair. But her eyes were empty sockets of black nothingness. That's what I remember most. She was see-through except for her eyes, solid black voids. Then she opened her mouth slowly as if to say something to me. I freaked out and jumped up, my candle falling out of my lap, screaming. My friends had no idea what had happened, and I could hear them calling to me as I ran alone back down Caswell. I heard a haunting low laughing following behind me, gently, almost cajoling. My shoulders were freezing the whole way down the road until I made it to Dean Hill, absolutely breathless and still yelling. My friends reported to me afterwards that they couldn't see me in the dark running, but they could see a thin white wisp trailing behind me, similar in fashion to as if I were wearing a cape. That was 13 years ago, and I can still feel her bony, cold fingers digging into my skin. I never went back. Who could blame her? But you did ask for her to show up. Right. I don't know that I would have had that kind of reaction, even with the hollow eyes. No, I don't know what I would have done. I, like I said, until I see an apparition full-bodied, I don't know what I'll do. And now a little break for a word about one of our sponsors. This episode was brought to you by the Gothic Chandlery. Kelly, it's a bit chilly out here in the cemetery this evening. Well, you're always cold, though. That's true. <laughs> but these candles from the Gothic Chandlery are great for creating a spooky ambiance. 
They sure are. And they smell amazing. Oh, they do. It's good for covering over the scent of the dead. And let's face it, Mort's body odor, too. (laughs) What are you insinuating? Well, Mort, even you can admit that these candles smell a lot better than you. Slightly. And Kelly, I love the names of these scents. We have Bubonic Breakfast Brew, which not only has the artwork on it of the original Plague Doctor, but it's coffee scented. It sure is. I love to drink coffee. I know you like the smell of it, just not to drink it, but this candle's perfect for us. We also have the Poe, which is black currant absinthe scented. I love that one too. Their names are so clever and I love their artwork. There's also Cranial Cleanse, Caramel Corn, Carnage, Grave Grass, <laughs> Witch's Brew, and they all have these really unique labels on them. Witchy, Creepy, Gothic, Haunted. They also come with wood wicks, which are slow and clean burning. And I love the crackly noise that wood wicks make. It just kind of puts me in that festive mood. I know. You just keep going on and on about it. I love hearing the little snap and crackle. And they have what is described as a really strong throw. You can get your hands on some of these candles by going to Etsy and looking up the Gothic Chandlery. Or if you have a hard time with that, you can go to the website gothicchandlery.com. When you order, enter code BUMP10 and you'll get 10% off. Go to the Gothic Chandlery and enter BUMP10 for 10% off. This episode is brought to you by Best Fiends. Kelly, I'm really bored. I've scrolled through all of our social media, Monster Book, Insta Frights, Tick Maggot, there's nothing else to do. You know what? I have a suggestion. Why don't you download Best Fiends onto your phone and start playing some of those games? I know for myself and for Mort, we just can't put it down. You know what? I think I've been hearing people talk about this. It's like a, a storyline, right? It is. It's got good guys. It's got not so good guys. The good guys are the fiends and the not so good guys are the slugs. And they make the funniest noises as you try to beat them. <laughs> And the longer you play, the more fiends get collected. So they join your team, essentially. Oh. Gradually, you start to evolve your fiends. And so they get stronger and stronger and have more power. They help you solve increasingly challenging puzzles as you move through the game. Currently, I think I'm on level 89. Oh, wow. So this has got a lot of levels, it sounds like. Oh, it's got thousands of levels. And they're adding more all the time. And you can download it for free. Oh, well, I was already going to download it, but now I'm definitely going to. (laughs) It's definitely a lot of fun. You can download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Download Best Fiends for free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Next, we have Pinewood Cemetery, and this was suggested to us by listener Mandy Schumacher. Pinewood Cemetery is also known as Forest Park Cemetery and is located in Troy, New York. It is believed that the cemetery was loosely founded in 1856. Officially, it was established by wealthy businessmen in 1897. They designed it as a large park, and while it was very attractive with trails and lots of trees, the cemetery went bankrupt in 1914. Before that happened, the businessmen built a receiving tomb of granite with a copper ceiling. Inside were catacombs where bodies could be stored during the winter months when it was too cold to dig graves. Another company bought the tomb and surrounding land and sold off portions of the land that are today part of a golf course at the Country Club of Troy. The cemetery went bankrupt again and was left abandoned. A man named William Christian watched over the thousand graves until his death in the 1960s. 
There are many legends connected to this cemetery, and people believe it is haunted because some burials were grave robbed, and one winter, a few bodies were left in the receiving tomb and never given a proper burial. The cemetery is not open to the public, but people have been inside over the years and claim to have felt their hair get pulled or been scratched. They also claim to have seen strange orbs and heard disembodied voices. Cell phone batteries have died inexplicably. One of the legends is about the statue of an angel that has no head. The statue of the headless angel is about 10 feet tall and stands in front of a cross and is found just off of one of the walking paths. Boys who would wander into the cemetery at night when it had been open claimed to witness blood coming from the eyes of the angel. It so freaked them out that they decided to cut the head off the statue and they threw it into the woods. Legend claims that the statue still bleeds from its neck. This blood could possibly be moss that grows on the statue after it's been humid, though. So I don't know if it has kind of a reddish coloring to it. Perhaps like an algae kind of look. Yeah, or if at night, if you're looking at it, it looks like something is flowing from the neck. I don't know how they cut the head off a statue. I don't either. I mean, I guess obviously you can cut into granite and marble because that's how they put names and stuff into them. But I don't know if a saw would cut a marble head <laughs> they off. They need some diamond tipped saw blade or something. I would <laughs> think. I would think a standard saw would take the head off. Of course, this is a legend. So who knows what caused it to come off? The sounds of children laughing have been heard in the cemetery, and there's apparently the apparition of a friendly soldier here. The legend behind this spirit claims that his name is Harold Hubbard and that he was a veteran of World War I. He had been depressed and was having troubles with his family. Harold went on a date with a girl and was walking home in the wee hours of the morning on November 11, 1916. He arrived at the cemetery and decided to end his life there by shooting himself in the head. Now people claim to see Harold walking among the graves. He would occasionally appear to people having mental anguish, and he would bring them comforting thoughts. He seems to exude positive energy in the afterlife. There are those who say that if you go to the gates of the cemetery, which have been dubbed the gates of hell, and say the name Harold three times, he will appear to you and say hello. Kind of like Beetlejuice? I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And I always love how many of these cemeteries, you know, they are either called the gates of hell or have the gates of hell. Next, we have Martha's Chapel Cemetery, and this was suggested to us by listener Chelsea Flowers. The reputation of this cemetery starts with it being at the end of a road called Demon's Road. Here we go, Kelly. Look I was going to say, that's never a, g- a good sign. <laughs> no. The actual name of the road is Bowden Road. Martha's Chapel is seven miles southwest of Huntsville, Texas. Catholicism was the prevalent religion in Texas in the 1800s due to the Spanish and Mexican influence. The Reverend Moses Spears came to Texas in about 1837 to convert souls to the Methodist faith. He traveled from town to town and home to home and won many souls. This was the beginning of the Texas mission, and William Robinson, who was a devout Methodist, gave 30 acres to the cause to build a church, school, and cemetery. This was called the William Robinson Settlement, and this was the first church in the county. While Reverend Spears was at the settlement, he became sick and passed away. He would be the first person buried in the new cemetery in 1840. The church would take on the name Trinity Church in 1843. A new church was built about 10 years later, and this one became a barn. Eventually, the site was named Martha's Chapel after one of the first church members who was buried in the cemetery, Martha Palmer. All that remains of the settlement is the cemetery, which holds the bodies of many early pioneers to the area. It's very interesting that it's called Martha's Chapel and there's no chapel there anymore. Right. But it basically was made out of wood, which is why they made it a barn. So, of course, it fell apart eventually over the years. That's the official history, but legends have clung to this land, and there are claims of a curse. The Native Americans in the area claimed that something sinister had happened here, 
It was believed that blood had soaked the land, all the way down to the bedrock. Supernatural activity occurs all along Demon Road and on into the cemetery. There are tales of creatures and spirits. One of those spirits belongs to what appears to be a young boy riding on a tricycle. He reportedly has glowing eyes, and people claim that he disappears into a strange fog if you try to go near him. There are other times when he will just stop his tricycle and stare at a person in an unnerving way. Total nightmare fuel. <laughs> I'm telling you, you, uh, you already don't want to see, like you said, glowing eyes on a spirit. But then if it just stops and stares at you with them <laughs> and it's a little supposedly boy on a tricycle. I'm picturing Gage from Pet Cemetery. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is spawned tales about the young boy being able to read a life. And if he finds that the observer is wanting in some way, he will later visit them at night in their bedroom and suffocate them to death. Yeah, no, I'll pass. <laughs> It just gets better. Then he drags the soul to hell. How would people know this? <laughs> That's why these stories are so much fun. They've got these creative little legends they yes. make up. The boy and his tricycle usually appear on new moon nights. So stay away from the cemetery during that time of the moon phase. In 2001, a man named Bob and his buddy decided to pay a visit to Demon Road. They drove from Houston and parked by the graveyard. Bob's buddy had fallen asleep, so Bob left him to his dreams and got out of the car with his camera. Bob wandered among the tombstones, taking pictures and reading epitaphs. After a few minutes, he felt the ground shake below him, and then clumps of soil started pushing up, and then there was a hand. They're coming to get you, Bob. <laughs> Suddenly, Barbara turned into Bob. Yes. <laughs> it grabbed his pant leg, and as Bob reached down to make it let go, the hand clasped his wrist and started pulling him down to the ground. Bob started to scream, and his friend appeared next to him and starts stomping on the hand and pulls Bob away. They run to the car with Bob in the lead. He gets to the car and is startled to see that his friend is still asleep in the car. Then who was that person that helped him? He turned and saw that he was all alone. Bob jumps in the car, fires it up, and speeds out of the cemetery. After a couple of minutes, he looks over at his friend who hasn't stirred at all. He shakes his leg and realizes that his friend is dead. He had had a heart attack on the ride down. Oh my word. So I don't know <laughs> if any of this story was true, but I was like, that's an amazing flash fiction right there. That's true. Absolutely. <laughs> because first of all, just to have something coming out of the ground, I've never heard of anything like that in a cemetery. So that seems so far-fetched to me. But then when I got to the end of it, I was like, but that's a really cool story because clearly his friend had died, but his spirit helped him when he needed help. Right. But how awful to have your friend die of a heart attack right next to you. And you have no idea. You're just like, oh, boy, is he sleep hard. <laughs> he seems really limp hanging against the window there but oh good grief well that story's creepy enough but in 2010 there was another one that was even worse apparently spirits from this cemetery will follow you home yeah just like the haunted mansion <laughs> a woman visited the cemetery with her husband and some friends they were visiting the grave of a friend a bizarre man came into the cemetery and started wandering around they took their leave a few days later, the woman was getting into the shower, and when she turned to close the curtain, she saw the same strange man in the doorway. He then faded away as though he were made from fog. And this spirit isn't the only dangerous entity at the cemetery. There's an evil creature here that is described as being pale white with lizard-like skin and a mouthful of sharp teeth. The face is featureless, and the thing crawls on all fours. Now that would get me. <laughs> it usually hides in the bushes. People claim that it's some kind of skinwalker. So those are some far-fetched stories, Kelly. But there are people who claim to see apparitions wandering among the tombstones, and people have trouble getting their cars to start. 
visitors even sometimes find handprints on their cars that were not there before. And in 2018, a Google Maps street view caused quite a stir. The view features the fence line of Martha's Chapel Cemetery and their sunlight coming through the trees. Very nice picture. There's a tree prominently in the center of the view. And upon closer inspection, there appears to be a little girl peeking from behind the tree. Even creepier is the tall black figure in the distance past her shoulder that seems to be wearing a long cloak. In the show notes, I have a link so that you can see all the pictures. There's one picture and then it has it where it brings it up closer. And I also have one of the photos in the actual show notes. And I'll go ahead and put that up on Instagram. That's got to be a kid. I mean, it it looks like a real kid. The only thing that makes me think differently is this is a Google Street View. So it's not like somebody took a picture and put it up on the Internet and said, hey, I was taking this picture and caught a kid in it. And maybe there was a kid wandering around. It's when it's a Google Street View, it's like the cars driving around and captured it somehow. And this is really That's zoomed true. in, Kelly, because when you see the picture from far away, I, I could barely even see that there was a face there. I thought it was huh. just something about the tree. But then when you zoom in, you can see that it's a face. Interesting. Now, the black cloaked figure in the background is really far in the background. And if you notice, there's another like broken off tree trunk and it kind of looks the same. So I'm wondering if it's a broken off tree. And yeah, we're seeing the trunk be. in the distance. It's really dark, though, for an area that looks like it's in the sunlight. Yeah, that's the only thing that makes me go, huh? Because this one that's closer on the front of the picture is in shadow. Yeah, you would think that it would be a much (laughs) lighter color with the sun shining down on it directly because the tombstones that are around it are pretty pale looking because of the sunlight. Yeah, they're all bleached out looking. And as we know from doing art, things that are in the distance are usually lighter than things that are in the forefront. Right. So it would be weird to have something that dark. But yeah, pretty weird. We'll put it up on Instagram, see what you guys think. And our final cemetery is Mount Royal Cemetery. Mount Royal Cemetery is located in Montreal, Canada, and is said to be one of the most haunted locations there. This is located high up on the slopes of Mount Royal and was established in 1847. The Protestant St. Lawrence Burial Ground had been the first cemetery here, but it was full and it was in the middle of town. Europe had started moving cemeteries outside of city limits, and Montreal decided to follow that trend when establishing Mount Royal. It was officially opened in 1852 and covered 165 acres. At first, only people of Protestant denominations were allowed to be buried here, but over time, the burial ground was open to all faiths and races. The first person buried here was Reverend Squire, and that occurred on October 19, 1852. He had been to the Ottawa Hotel to visit a man dying of cholera, and he himself caught the dreaded disease and it killed him. Other people who were buried here include six victims of the Titanic sinking. One of those victims was Charles Melville Hayes, who was the president of the Ground Trunk Railway. He wouldn't be buried until a month after the tragedy. Hayes was found floating in the water and was identified by the watch he wore. He was transported by train from Halifax to Montreal. I had to wonder, is it actually on his railway? Oh, perhaps. There are 459 graves from those who died in war, 276 from World War I, and 183 from World War II. There's a nursery for the children, many of whom died from contagious diseases. Montreal Mayor John Easton Mills died from typhus in 1847 after caring for several Irish refugees who were carrying it, and is buried here, as is Canadian Prime Minister Sir John Abbott, who died from brain cancer in 1892. There's an area called the Montreal Sailors Institute lot with the bodies of 550 sailors buried here since 1890. Most drowned, and there's a commemorative plaque. 
The cemetery was designated a National Historic Site in 2002 and features beautiful monuments and statues and lush gardens. There are over 200,000 bodies buried in the cemetery. This is one of the largest cemeteries we've ever talked about. I believe so. But there's even more bodies in this area because there are several cemeteries nearby, including a Catholic one and two smaller Jewish ones. Mount Royal is said to be the haunted one. One of the legends here claims that shadowy figures roam the graveyard after sunset. These shadows seem to almost flicker in the cemetery. That's weird. Yeah, I've never heard that as a description. It'd be a really cool effect for a horror movie. Well, actually, I, I'm i trying to recall the actual movie, but it was like a flickering of like a TV channel, like where the person's like flickering on screen, like it's coming in and out. Oh, yeah, that's weird. That's what I'm picturing in my head anyway. <laughs> A former Westmount High School student once related a scary experience he had after visiting the cemetery. He wrote, I wish to remain anonymous, so I created this email account, which I will delete within a day or two. I used to live in Montreal, and I did have a spirit follow me home once after a walk on the Mount Royal Cemetery. I was in college at the time and with a friend. I didn't know it until that night when I was alone and woken up by a male figure quietly saying my name. I promptly told it to go away without even realizing how quickly I was responding and turned on my other side. By the time I realized that I had just seen and heard something abnormal, it left, but within a second I was drenched in sweat from fear. I got the strength to turn on the light after a few seconds and saw nothing. I never had an event take place afterwards. No, I, I mean, and this is in capital letters, so he was like yelling it. No, I was not half asleep and imagining it. I can say for certain I was woken up by this spirit. I just think it's funny that he was like half asleep and it's saying his name and it's kind of like swatting at a fly, you know, leave me alone, rolls (laughs) over. And then all of a sudden it's like his body responded before his brain figured out what was going on. The apparition of an Algonquin warrior has been seen near the cliffs overlooking the Chameleon Howd lookout. I hope that's how you say it. Or maybe Chameleon Hode. Hode. I don't know. It's H-O-U-D-E. I mean, it's Montreal, so it might be something French. I'm not sure. Probably is. This is the best-known ghost here and the most mysterious. First Nations burial sites had been found on Mount Royal, and some indigenous graves had been found on the mountain with the bodies in the fetal position. I don't know why they were buried in that specific way. It must be something kind of ritualistic. I would imagine so. Was the cemetery platted over those ancient graves? There are those who claim that rituals have been carried out in the cemetery, and someone claimed to see a circle of candles floating. And another person claimed to see a massive white dog in the cemetery. Paranormal investigators like to hunt in the cemetery. They claim to have captured disembodied voices, a girl giggling, the sound of wood creaking like a coffin opening, and they also claim to have seen fairies. Very interesting. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard of fairies in the cemetery. It'd be kind of cool, though. They could, you know, take care of the flowers and stuff. Yeah, definitely. With all these crazy experiences going on here, it's not hard to understand why they say this is a city of the dead overlooking a city of the living. And really, all these cemeteries are cities of the dead. Are they home to ghosts? Are these cemeteries haunted? That That is for you to decide. decide. Well, and on that note, we're going to be having our cemetery bingo coming up here on October 23rd and 24th, 2021. Indeed we are. I can't wait. If you haven't joined us in the Spooktacular crew over on Facebook, please do so. That's how you get in on the fun and get your card. We will be releasing that early a.m. of the 23rd or maybe sometime late the night of the 22nd, just in time for people not to be able to go looking ahead of time to figure out which cemetery would be the best one to hit to get as many of the symbols on their bingo card as they can. 
Of course, you're welcome to go to as many cemeteries as you want over that weekend. We just want to make sure people aren't going some weekends ahead of time. (laughs) This is true. We also would love to have you check out our website at historyghostbump.com. And if you want to send us some feedback, you can do that at historyghostbump at gmail.com. We got an email from Carrie. She says, hi, Diane and Kelly. Just want to start out by saying how much I love the show. I know y'all probably hear that a lot from your fans, but I just have to say it. We can never hear it enough. (laughs) I I love hearing that. Go ahead. Stroke our egos. (laughs) (laughs) I started listening a few months ago and I'm making my way backwards through the catalog. She was wondering if we'd covered a place called Blakely State Park. And I said that we had not done that. So we've got it on our list. Apparently, this park includes the old town of Blakely and an old hanging tree. And she sent a picture of that. And it looks like a good tree for hanging people from. It's very big with limbs going every which way. Ah. And it used to be near the county courthouse, which is why they used it for that. Sure. So that was the first reason she emailed. Her second reason for emailing is about the anniversary episode from a couple of weeks ago that included the story about a woman seeing her sister in Heaven's waiting room. I cannot remember the name, but it really shook me. A month or so after my grandmother died, I had a dream that I was in a room, very simple room, and my grandmother in her younger form came through a door extremely excited and happy. She was followed by an older, prim-looking woman who appeared to be a guide or chaperone. My grandmother grabbed me in a hug and said she was okay and really happy, that I needed to know that, and she was moving on. The other woman then told her it was time to go. She waved and left extremely happy and in a hurry. Was it just a dream? Maybe. I woke up sobbing because I was happy for her. She'd lived through so much and deserved a happy ending. She left her small town in Alabama during World War II as a teen, lied about her age, and became a Rosie the Riveter in Oregon on medical Navy ships. Oh, wow. How great. She then became a single mother in the 40s. Dang. Wow. That's challenging. Married later, lived through death of an infant baby, and multiple marriages after that. Always came out of problems standing on her own. I also felt like she was really there. It felt so much like that short story that I just had to tell y'all. Y'all are welcome to pass this on to the author of this story and tell her how affected I was. I started crying listening to that story because it was just so much like my dream. I am in no way, shape, or form a medium or clairvoyant, whatever the heck they are, but I do believe in ghosts. I have seen and heard things I cannot explain. I'll tell you all this really quick and save my other stories for another time. Another reason I feel like my dream was real is because I saw my grandfather, the late husband of my grandmother, in my room after he passed away. I was only five when he passed in 1992, but I spent a lot of time with him since I lived next door. I was crushed when he died. I would wake up crying at night because I'd dream about him and be scared I'd forget him. It was so bad my parents put me in counseling. One night I woke up and saw him in my room. He smiled and left. Never woke up crying about him again. I can't explain it, but my mom is still in shock about it. He passed very unexpectedly way too young, and so we were all a bit traumatized at the time. My other experiences mainly happened in my grandmother's house, but I did have one at a historic location. Once I remember the name of the old plantation, I'll email you again and tell you those stories. Wow. Well, very cool. I love that because that was one of the stories that like really touched you and you were like, this is definitely one of our finalists. Right. And then to have somebody hear it and have it actually mean something to them personally. It's very cool. And she said that. we could share it with the writer. But then I asked her, I said, well, do you mind if we share it with everybody? She's like, no, no, <laughs> I go right say, ahead. I hope you asked her that. I did. <laughs> and I just love that that happened to be an email that came up with the haunted cemeteries. And I was just going on and on about what happens to you after you die and that kind of right. thing. And when you get some kind of confirmation like that, it's very cool. And the thing I told her is generally when people tell us that they had a strange dream, I kind of poo-poo those because 
I'm sorry, we all have strange dreams. <laughs> I know I have very strange dreams. <laughs> Sometimes I even feel like I have some prophetic ones. But when people have these dreams where a loved one comes to them and it feels so real to them, and it's generally right around the time that the person has died, I think that's the real deal. I feel like we're more vulnerable when we're asleep. And that's why people sometimes have night terrors and things like that. And I believe we're more open to the spirit world because we're not consciously guarding ourselves. Right, exactly. So I think it's easier for a loved one to come to us at that time. I agree. And I don't know that you are completely dreaming. You might be awake and not realizing that you're awake and kind of having this interaction. Yeah, like a lucid dream. Yeah. But it's reality. So thanks for sharing that, Carrie, and I'll get that picture of the hanging tree from her up on the Instagram because, you know, we just love sharing those things. <laughs> Want to thank you all for tuning into this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by our executive producers. Dispatches from the Grave Digger. We want to welcome into the cemetery that woman that just shared that email, Carrie Morrison. We're going to be burying her in a chest tomb. And Lisa Robinson, you're going to be put into a garden crypt. And in three months, you're going to have an HGB logo mug coming your way. Thank you so much, ladies, for supporting the show. And this episode was brought to you by Best Fiends and the Gothic Chandlery. Fan of the show? Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast catcher. Smells like chloroseptic chips and pumpkin beer in here. Great. <laughs> Doesn't everybody want to be in the studio? Yeah, no. If we're talking about hemlock and some other kind of stuff, we really should be doing the witch thing. I agree. And that death leads to a creepy broad smile being frozen on the face. If you don't want something creepy, that would be like <laughs> something to avoid. But it is kind of cool that you'd have this creepy grin across your face as the last thing that everybody saw about you. Ah, uh, I guess. <laughs> oh, <wait. laughs> what? The dog drops the plastic bone outside the door and you think I'm farting? <laughs> the dragging sound she made with it i thought you were reverberating on the metal chair <laughs> thanks kelly well the first pair pearson the first pearson buried here <laughs> he had been the ottawa hotel he had been the ottawa hotel yeah. a lot of people stayed in him oh gosh <laughs> it's a little bloody in here dear <laughs> What's that thumping I keep hearing? Oh, it's his heart. This episode isn't brought to you by Kiwi <laughs> and his loud mouth. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>